Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. You're about to listen to the next sermon in the series on Daniel. This is the next part of uh, Daniel uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel interpreting the dream. And this is Daniel chapter 4, verses 19 to 27. And you might like to pause and have a read of that passage before listening. Just to remind you once again that if you would like to uh, contribute to Understand the Bible, if you appreciate the uh, ministry of Understand the Bible, then there is a Patreon account available and the link for that is in the description below. Uh, There is also more content available on the YouTube. I'm still working through the series on the Apostles' Creed. And this last week, we thought about what it meant for Jesus to be ascended, our King and our Judge. So do have a look at that on the YouTube. The link is also down below. And do feel free to share the podcast, share it with your friends, share it with your pastor or your church, your home group, wherever it might be. There is also a weekly live stream course on the YouTube channel, which uh, you or a friend might be interested in. It, it will be suitable for a home group to do, so you might like to have a little look at that if that sounds interesting. Thanks so much, everyone, and I hope that you enjoy. I'll see you again soon. God bless. So, have you ever had to deliver? bad news to someone. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean you know, bad news in the sense that telling someone that a relative has died, that would be awful. Um, but actually bad news in the sense of telling someone that they're doing something wrong, that there's a problem, that, that they're going down a wrong path, and that you need to be the one to deliver that bad news and say you need to change what you're, what you're doing. And if you don't do that, something, something worse is going to happen. It's not very pleasant, is it? to be the person to to deliver bad news like that. And it's a very, very hard thing to do, actually, being the one to deliver that kind of bad news. And that's, I think, that's the kind of question that we're thinking about today, which is, how do we give people hard truths? How do we tell people truths which will be hard for them to hear? And, Especially in the Christian sense, you know, how do we tell people about things like sin or things like hell? You know, that they're in the Bible, we you know, have to talk about them sometimes, not all the time, obviously. But, you know, there are sometimes we do have to give people that bad news. Now, how, do we, how do we do that? How about we go about giving people that kind of bad news? Well, Daniel, um, Nebuchadnezzar has had this dream which is terrifying and he's called Daniel in. To explain it, and Daniel, um, it says, he's uh, he was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. And I thought that's interesting because that was what it says about Nebuchadnezzar. It says um, there in verse five, um, Nebuchadnezzar uh, he had a dream lying on his bed, and the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So it had the same effect on, on Daniel as he was um, he was thinking about it. And um, he says to Nebuchadnezzar, um, well, the king says, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. And I like that. It just shows that that's something of their relationship, doesn't it? That I think they did enjoy a, a warm relationship. And uh, it's, it's good to see that he had that kind of relationship with, with the king. But Daniel says, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. Only the dream applied to your enemies. It just shows that that, that warmth of, of relationship that they had was completely uh, was completely genuine. There was a real affection 
between them that it wasn't just you know Daniel wasn't just doing a job, but that he actually loved you know and cared for the king. That he 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 didn't just you know do his job, but he actually cared. And and it was, it's evident to see. You know they had an existing relationship, and they trusted uh, one another. And although Daniel had this news to deliver, this interpretation to deliver, he didn't take any pleasure in, in doing it. And I think this is a really significant first thing to, to understand. When we were um, in our Alpha group um, a couple of weeks ago, I think, there was a, Nicky Gumbel had a statistic, which was that 60% of people come to faith through a trusted friend. Um, which sounds reasonable to me. Um, 60%, something like that. So it, you know, the people come to faith because there's an existing friendship and they trust that friend. And so when that friend says something about Jesus or about God, you know, they're, then they're more likely to listen to it. And um, he also said that it was only 1% of people said that a vicar was um, significant in them coming to faith. So there we go, you're, you know, you lot are 59% more effective than me. So, um, so there we go. Um, but this is, this is the first thing about how we, we communicate bad news. That it has to be done with love. And it has to be done in the context of a relationship which, which is people are aware that you have their best interests at heart. I remember years ago, when I was um, probably about 12 or 13, I, I, went, I remember going to a, a camp, a children's sort of Christian summer camp, and um, I was um, just chatting with another boy, and uh, um, he said that he wasn't a Christian, and, and I just said, I sort of blurted out, but you'll go to hell, okay. and, um, and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, oh, so? <laughs> and, um, but that, that's the thing, you know, that I... I said what I said, but it may have been true, but it wasn't done with any affection for him or concern for him. And, and this is, I think, how it often comes across in the church, how our message is, is received. And our example is, um, well, there are many examples, but I, I often think about Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul. And he said in... Um, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. And Paul is saying, you know, I'm not some kind of jobs worth. I'm, I'm not someone who's just doing it for a living. But I, I always, whenever I read Paul's letters, you, you just feel the love coming through, don't you? The concern that he has for the churches. It's just this genuine, heartfelt love that he has for them, the concern that he has. So when he rebukes them, that they know it comes from some a place of sincerity, as he said, as, as a servant of God, and not as just wanting to, you know, I don't know, uh, make a profit. Like the, the magicians actually wanted to do, Nebuchadnezzar's magicians, they weren't really in it because they were speaking messages from God. They didn't want to give Nebuchadnezzar this message. Um, and as we saw last week, I think it's fairly obvious what the message is, really. But they didn't want to tell him. 
That was the, the problem. Only Daniel loved Nebuchadnezzar enough to give him that message. You know, that love is actually the, the, the love that we have. It has to be the kind of love that is actually prepared to say um, the negative, the bad news. That's the kind of love that we need. So, um, so Daniel, he, um, uh, he interprets, or he, he starts sort of recounting the dream, and it's just as uh, Nebuchadnezzar has already, has already described. And um, then he says, um, you are, verse 22 this is, um, your majesty, you are that tree. Um, and um, you're, you become great and strong, and, and so on. And the implication is that you know, this is a gift, this is what God has given. He doesn't come out and say it explicitly, but I think given what, what happens a bit later, I think this is the, the implication that God has made Nebuchadnezzar strong and given him all that he has, put him in, in his position. And um, then he, he gives this interpretation. Uh, he says, verse 24, this is the interpretation, this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. So it's, it's against Nebuchadnezzar, it is a negative. It says, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over, uh, over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. But, he says, the kingdom uh, will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. So it's got a note of hope in there, but he says you're going to be driven away. Now this is, um, what Daniel describes here is actually something which has become known in more recent times as um, boanthropy. I, I've never heard of this before, but it's a recognised psychological condition, the idea of believing, that, a delusional belief that you are actually a cow. And there have been recorded instances of this through history that you know people have actually been in you know um, eating grass and you know genuinely believing that they are they're a calf <laughs> and you know it's um, Nebuchadnezzar is not the only example of this. He's the most famous, but he's not the only one. It does it does kind of happen from time to time. Um, so it's a condition and. It did make me, make me think, you know, this is not just a, a tragic illness. You know, this is sort of getting the, if you like, the lid lifted off, um, the, the workings. Because you know, so often in life we just see what happens and we don't see the reasons, we don't see what's happening behind the scenes. But this is not just a tragic illness. That God is sovereign even over sickness and disease. And that's something which um, you know we, we sometimes say a bit glibly, I think, but it is it is the truth that God is sovereign. This, this doesn't just happen to Nebuchadnezzar. This was promised, and that then it and then it, it happened according to God's word. There is always a purpose behind sickness, even sickness and disease, even if we don't know what that is. And the purpose of it was to humble was to humble uh, Nebuchadnezzar. It says, until you acknowledge that heaven rules. So it was to bring him to, to humility. And that's where uh, humility starts. It starts with acknowledging God. 
something I always um, recall my college principal, when I was at the theological college, the principal there, a um, man named Mike Hovey, and um, sadly he, he died quite suddenly a few years ago. But he used to say, um, humility is not a clever man pretending he's stupid. Now sometimes I think we think that humility is pretending that we are, you know, we don't have any gifts or, and, and he says that's not humility. Humility comes when we acknowledge God. And you know, Nebuchadnezzar could hardly have pretended that he wasn't the king. And could hardly have pretended that, you know, all of these things that he didn't have a big empire and so on. And that wasn't that wouldn't have been humility. Humility was acknowledging that it was given by God. Humility was acknowledging that God was in charge and that he had given all of those things and that they were to be used for him and the glory was to go uh, to the Lord. That's humility. And that was what Nebuchadnezzar needed to learn. And Daniel, uh, he finishes off. He gives him um, advice, it says. Be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. So again, you see Daniel's heart in this, that he doesn't just give Nebuchadnezzar the bad news and say, well, this is going to happen to you, ha, ha, ha. Um, but he says, if you listen, if this is given as a warning, if you listen, if you repent of your sins, then God may change and it may be that your prosperity will continue. And this actually, um, there are other um, times in the Bible where this does happen, where a king does have a warning and then they, and then they do listen. So, um, and, and God changes. So for example, uh, 1 Kings chapter 21, uh, verses 27 to 29. So Ahab has had a warning. You remember King Ahab and, and Elijah the prophet. And Elijah warns Ahab what's going to happen. And um, it says, uh, when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. So God saw the way that Ahab um, repented and, and humbled himself. And so he, he changed and he said, well, it will come on, on the days of, the, of his son instead. This is how warnings work all through the Bible. The warnings are intended to lead us to repentance. And I often think that bad things happen as, as warnings. And I don't mean that, um, you know, that every, you can say for every bad thing that happens in our lives, in the world, oh, well, this is, you know, clearly a punishment from God or something like that. But I think we are supposed to look at the bad things that happen and turn to God. And, and especially for people who, are, who don't know God, who don't know the Lord. It is a message for, for them. And I wonder, you know, the last 18 months or so, now what's happened with COVID? I personally think that that is actually a message from God for, for our, our society, for our world, saying, will you, will you turn to me? It's a warning. Because something much worse than COVID uh, awaits. Um, Daniel, 
he, he loved Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't want him to perish. So he warns him. And so he says, repent. If you turn away, then you will, uh, it may be that your prosperity will, will continue. He didn't want him to endure uh, this punishment. And that's um, just very much like the message that we have from the, from the Bible, from the New Testament about these things. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Uh, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slow, slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. These warnings are given so that people may come to repentance. So as we, uh, as we come to, to the end of, um, of this particular passage, I just want to, to, to summarise really where, we, where we've got to. As I think what Daniel, his position there, although this is from the Old Testament, I think it's very like the situation that we find ourselves in today, which is that we, we have a message which is a bit like Daniel's. You know, it's a message of warning, isn't it? It's the message of God's judgment. It's a message of repentance. And although it's not come through a dream, we know it's come through Jesus. It's come through the apostles. You know, it is a message about what the world needs to do to turn to the Lord. Um, so we are a bit like Daniel, aren't we? And so I think that you know, we can take Daniel as an example for us and as a, and as a model. Now, he didn't shy away from giving the message. He didn't say, oh, that's, I'm sorry, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that. He wasn't like the other magicians or astrologers. They were only concerned about their own positions, their own reputation, perhaps. But Daniel, he loved Nebuchadnezzar enough to give him the truth. He loved Nebuchadnezzar enough to tell him the truth as it really was, as God had revealed it to him. And that's something that, that we need to do as well. You know, we need to, to love people enough to give them the truth, as we know it is through the Bible, through the Scriptures, and particularly how it is with respect to sin and, and judgment, um, knowing that you know, people are on the, the, the wide road that leads to destruction. And that's just what, what Jesus said, isn't it? Um, but we must do it, not because we, um, you know, not because we want to just give a message, but because we love people. And this is the final thing, that you can see that coming over with Daniel, with uh, how he felt about Nebuchadnezzar, that there was a genuine warmth, compassion and care for him. He didn't want him to perish. And I think if we can give that message with love, you know, if we can say to people, yes, there is a judgment, but we do not want you to perish. We want you, we want you to turn to the Lord Jesus. We want you to be saved. That's the message which I think people will respond to. Not everyone. But if it comes from a place of genuine care, genuine compassion, genuine love, then that's the, that's the right way to go. And if people don't respond, that's up to them. But when we genuinely care for them, when we genuinely love them, uh, then I hope that will shine through. And, uh, and that's the only way to deliver this kind, of, uh, this kind of bad news. And let's ask for God's help as we, as we close and uh, pray that he would give us the spirit of Daniel to be able to, to do these things. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for Daniel and for his example with Nebuchadnezzar. We thank you that he did not shy away from speaking the truth. 
but that he spoke your words, your truth, faithfully uh, to Nebuchadnezzar in love. And we pray that you would help us to have that same spirit, uh, Lord, with those that we come into contact with, with our family, with our, our friends, with our neighbours, those who you give us the opportunity to speak to. May we love them enough to be able to speak the truth. We pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.